You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word. Good morning, Holy Cross, and welcome to everybody joining us for home worship today. We are continuing in our teaching series through the Gospel of Mark called Jesus Says. And every time we hear Jesus speak, every time we hear his voice, he is revealing a little bit more about his nature, his character, Uh, what he's capable of, and what he came to do. And that's what the gospel writer, Mark, attempts to do. As he progresses through the story of Jesus' life and ministry, he's peeling back a new layer uh, about his matchless character and his authority. And this story that we read today is a perfect example of that. Jesus demonstrates his uncommon power, his unmatched authority as he quiets the storm with a simple command, peace, be still. Now, a common application of this story, it's been turned into a parable of sorts. It's been kind of turned into a a story that is meant to teach us that Jesus quiets the storms in our life. He calms uh, whatever is um, we're struggling with, and we could go to him in the midst of storms. And that is definitely true. Jesus does that. It's very true. But we even see the disciples themselves, we see that they, the, the end of the story, they don't turn into these serene, peaceful, calm people. In fact, they come into this story afraid as the storm starts, and they actually leave terrified, the scripture says, even more afraid. And so this isn't just a story about uh, finding a place of peace in our life, uh, but rather it's a story about how we can be sure of a steadfast faith in Christ in the midst of our struggle. So instead of seeing this as a path to serenity or a path, path to calm in our life, we ought to see it as a lesson on how to have faith. That's what Jesus is after. He's after our faith, having faith in him, trusting and resting in him. He confronts the disciples' lack of faith. He calls them out. And through this whole situation, he helps them deepen their faith in him and his power. For here, in here, Jesus demonstrates once again, as we've seen before, that he can do whatever God can do because he is God. And just like before, as we see that only God has the power to forgive sins, only God has the power to command and demand uh, that nature, that the waves and the storm quiet down, and that's exactly what he does. But before we get deeper, let's define faith. What is faith? We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. 
Faith is belief. It is trust. It is, in a greatest sense, it's resting in God's truth. Faith is living out what is true despite what you might feel. Faith in Jesus is is believing in him, trusting in him, resting in him, and living your life in such a way that reflects that Jesus is the authoritative, miracle-working Son of God who's come to rescue sinners, forgive us of our sins, hold us secure in the Father's love, and nothing can separate us from his love. Faith is living in light of all of that. Mark tells us this story so that in knowing Jesus, we will hear what he says, we'll comprehend what he means. We will grow in our faith and rest in him. And Mark develops this through the story by revealing the doubt of faith, the learning of faith, and the object of faith. Let's walk through each of these this morning. First, the the doubt of faith. Doubt is another way of understanding what it feels like to have a lack of conviction about, about anything, not really being sure, not being convinced of something. Uh, what are the disciples not convinced of in this, in this story? Well, they're not convinced that Jesus actually cares for them. I mean, this is, this is very serious. He's, they're not convinced that Jesus is, that care, cares for them in the midst of this storm that is threatening to take their own lives. They ask when they wake him up, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? What a question. I want to just slow down a bit and just really think of this question. I I rehearsed this over and over and over again. Just this question. I said it uh, dozens of times in my mind as I was preparing this week. Do you not care? Have you ever asked a question like that before to Jesus, to God? God, do you even care what's going on in my life? God, does it bother you that I'm suffering? God, does it matter to you if I suffer or if I flourish? God, are you sleeping while I'm awake in fear and worrying about my life and anxious and depressed? Does it even cross your mind to think about what I'm going through? Have you ever asked questions like that? Well, the question really goes to the heart, doesn't it? Every person who's ever tried to live a life of faith has felt this way before. Maybe many times before. Maybe you're asking that question even today. God, are you, are you even sympathetic to what I'm going to? Are you paying attention to what I feel? Are you going to intervene? What are you doing? Because it doesn't seem like you really care or know or have the power or authority to do anything about it. Everything seems to go wrong. You're struggling in life. You wonder where God is, what he's doing and where he is. Maybe he he appears in your eyes to be asleep, to be absent, to be unaware. Maybe, at, at the worst, he just doesn't care about you. Those are the doubts that fill our heart. And every person who has tried and attempted to follow Jesus and to live a life of faith has been there and has asked those questions many times. If you've ever wanted the faith of the early disciples of Jesus, well, there you have it. It's a faith that is filled with doubt. They wondered that if Jesus really loved them. They wondered if they, while they were in the midst of chaos, if he could be trusted. If Jesus really loved them, they would, if they would be spared of such struggle or even death. Now we know better from the rest of scripture, 
we have a different perspective than the disciples did at the time. We know that Jesus cares for them. We know kind of on the outside of the story, we know the rest of Jesus' life on earth. We know that Jesus loved them completely. We know that he gave his life for them. We know that Jesus lived in constant awareness and dependence on his father. We know that Jesus could awaken uh, he could be awakened by the hand of his father and come to the rescue of his disciples at any moment. And so he wasn't unaware of what is going on. He wasn't aloof by this situation and caught off guard by it. But from their perspective, that's exactly what it felt like. Consider their perspective. It would seem that Jesus is oblivious to their misery. And they call him on it. Pay attention to what's going through. Don't you, that what's going through in our life, don't you care what is happening to us? And so often, we mistakenly conclude that we are alone in our struggle. That if we perceive that God is distant, that he isn't acting in the timeliness that we desire, if, if a prayer isn't answered in the way that we want to or when we want, to, want it to be answered, we think that, that he has forgotten us or that he is just distant from us. You know, it, God knows the rate of our heartbeat. He knows our respiration. He knows our innermost being. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows every hair on our head. He isn't caught off guard by, by any circumstance, whether internal or external. But from our perspective, it feels like that. It often feels like that. And so uncertainty creeps in and doubt. We lack conviction we aren't convinced that God is looking out for us. And that means that everything that comes our way, he, he allows it to pass through our hands for our, our benefit. And everything he keeps from us, it's because he loves us. And so often we conclude that we are alone and how wrong we are when we feel that. God knows every wave that falls on us. And that boat bearing Christ and his friends was the object of the most heavenly attention. And so we are in our difficulties as well. We are the object of his attention, his constant affection and attention. He's always thinking of us. He's always uh, concerning us. He is always uh, willing all of creation to... to uh, be fleshed out in such a way that bring about his good purposes for us. We are constantly on his mind and on his heart. But it doesn't always feel that way. And this is the doubt of faith that the disciples are experiencing. Does it feel like you and your life and your family and your circumstances are the object of God's attention all the time? Probably not, right? Probably doesn't feel that way. From our perspective, it often feels that Jesus has left us to fend for ourselves, showing us that we have a lot to learn still about following Jesus, resting in him, trusting in who he is and what he is capable of. And so to the disciples, as Jesus points out, it brings us to the, the learning of faith that must happen. As, as Jesus uses this chaos as a way of teaching them, discipling them in their faith, the learning of faith. I wonder, I wonder how they woke Jesus up. You know, did, they, did they all stand together over his resting body 
debating who was going to awaken him? Uh, did they shake him on the shoulder? Uh, who was it? Was it Peter? Um, did they just come rushing down to, the, to where he slept at the bottom of the boat, all screaming in a panic, and he just woke up out of all the noise? Whatever they did, they were able to do something that the storm wasn't able to do, which was wake him up. And at once, Jesus wakes up and he turns to the storm after they ask, do you, do you care that we are perishing? And he rebukes it. He rebukes the waves and says, peace, be still. And at once the wind dies down and the waves were like glass. Perfect calm. And then he turned to his confused and terrified disciples and asked a question that still sounds ridiculous as I even repeat it. Why are you afraid? He asked them. Isn't it obvious? We're afraid for our life. We're in the midst of a hurricane. We thought we were going to drown. We thought you didn't care. We thought you didn't love us. We thought you, we were dead because it's weird that you're out down here sleeping in the midst of this storm. How could you not hear the storm that's going on? Why are we afraid? What a crazy question. But in asking that question, Jesus is showing them that they too have much to learn about him. They, much, they have much to learn about faith in him, trusting, believing, and resting what he, in, in what he's capable of, in his unmatched character, his unmatched nature and power. The storm was necessary for them to learn and to grow in their trust in Jesus. It's as if Jesus is saying, why are you afraid? I do allow people who love me to encounter difficulty in their life. I do allow those who love me to encounter painful, fearful, horrible, terrifying things. But you should know who I am by now. The one who has full authority over all of creation. And I am with you. You remember how we defined faith? Faith is living out what is true despite what we feel. You see, Jesus wants his disciples to live their lives in the midst of chaos, anchored not in their feelings or in their emotions or in their perceptions about the world or about their own lives, but anchored in the fact that they are in the care of the eternal Son of God to whom all creation must answer. He is the one who is guiding and directing and sustaining all of creation by the word of his power, and he is there with them, and he loves them and cares for them. And he doesn't want them to think that just because he loves them that they will be free of all difficult things in their life. Maybe that's what causes doubt and lack of conviction to creep into our hearts is that we follow Jesus, we love him, we believe he loves us, and then we encounter some terrifying, difficult situations, horrible, painful things in our life, and then we say, do you care for me? Am I confused? Why is this happening? Let's get back to the question, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Let me help to, you see what Jesus is getting at. Jesus knows why they're afraid, right? So he's not asking, well, what is it that startled you? He, he knows it's the waves. He knows it's the storm. And they're terrified for their life. He isn't asking them, what is causing you to fear? He is asking them, why are you giving into that fear? Do you see the difference? 
He's not asking a question of like, because he's confused and doesn't know what startled them. He's asking them, why, knowing what you know about me, are you letting fear to overtake your life to such a point where you are terrified by it? Why does it move you from your rest and your peace in me and your trust in me? You see, he's not rebuking fear. Fear is a normal and often healthy part of the human existence. Does a big dog running, running after you with, with drooling mouth and fangs out generate fear? That's probably a very normal and very appropriate and understandable fear. Does a global pandemic of an unknown virus generate fear in your heart? That's probably a very normal and understandable and healthy fear. Perhaps today you are fearful. Perhaps you fear for your life in general. That you won't be adequate in your life for all the challenges that you face. It may be some kind of fear that you really can't put your finger on. You can't describe it. It's not clearly defined. You can't point to any one thing that is causing your fear. You just wake up with with dread, despair, anxiety. You just feel unsettled, constantly anxious. But it's real, it's continual, and it seems to be with you all the time. Maybe you fear some unspoken problem that you have no apparent solution to, and you're paralyzed by it. What should we do? Well, Jesus would have us live not as if our fears don't exist, but that we focus more on the power of God and the presence of Christ and his care and love and provision for us so that we would be settled and trusting in him no matter what chaos we find ourselves in. We must understand and believe that it's through storms and afflictions and hardships and challenges that we grow. It is in the context of these challenges that God allows to come our way. Where we are strengthened to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's capable of. That our lives rest in his power. Not in our circumstances. He knows why you're afraid. He knows. And he cares for you. We must understand that Christ wants to develop us in our faith. To not be overtaken by our fear, but rather to exercise our faith and trust in Jesus in the midst of our fear. Faith is a living out what is true despite what we feel. What is true? That Jesus commands the world and it listens like an obedient child right away. What else is true? That the world will bring chaos. That in this life we will have trouble, to some degree significant trouble, and to every degree death for all of us. We will all die. We will all face trouble, but Christ brings peace. What else do we know? If we're looking Around in a broken world, we will find a lot that troubles us. We will find a lot that unsettles us. But Jesus isn't phased by it. Who is this that has such power? It's Jesus. He is God in the flesh, sent to live as a human, a human who gets tired 
after a long day of ministry and hard work and out of exhaustion collapses on a boat and falls asleep. He is human. He is also God who came on a mission to rescue his people whom he loves, to die for our sins, to forgive us, to die in our place so that he would take our death and our sin, even never deserving it, and we would take his righteousness knowing that we never deserved it. In the panic and in the pain and the anxiety of life, we're reminded of, of this vivid need for rescue. Just look around your world. I promise it will not take but a moment to be convinced that we are in need of rescue. Jesus knows what we're afraid of. He knows what troubles you. But instead of being consumed by those fears, we are to be at rest because we know who Jesus is. And he is with us. The good news is that there is a rescuer. We are in need of rescue and we have a rescuer. It is Jesus. Here's an important question when it comes to fear. Do your fears lead you to put your trust in Jesus? Would you think about that and and really answer honestly in your own heart? You know the answer to it. Do your fears lead you to put your trust in Jesus? If your fears simply lead you just to be consumed with fear, then you're wasting your fear. When Jesus says, why are you afraid? It's like asking, did you think that following me wouldn't lead you into trouble? I do allow people I love to go through storms and struggles. We think about our fears wrong if our aim in our life, when encountered with fear, when we encounter fear, is to just simply remove that fear. You see, we go about life, we're afraid of things, and all we think about is, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to have that struggle anymore. Just remove it. And so we desire God to just remove it from our presence. But what he desires for us is so much better. He desires to strengthen us in faith so that our faith will overcome that fear. His power working in us would overcome that fear, and we would rest in the midst of chaos around us. Like everything in the world, the goal of our fears is to lead us to know and to trust in Jesus. You see, if we say, I believe in Jesus, but it doesn't affect the way we live, especially in the midst of difficulty and in fear, the answer is not that we need something in addition to our faith to give us a life of peace. It means that we have not truly understood or believed in Jesus at all. If, if we believe in Jesus and yet it hasn't changed how we live, then we misunderstand him. We don't get him. Just like the disciples. We believe you. We're following you. And here they are afraid. And he says, why has fear overcome you? If you know who I am and you know what I can do and you know my plans for you and my love for you and my care for you, then why are you living by this narrative of fear rather than a narrative of faith and trust? In me. Well, it brings us to the final clue in Mark's narrative. It's all about Jesus, the object of faith. The point is Jesus. It, it all comes back to Jesus. The disciples close this story 
by asking, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They're stunned. They've never met anyone like him before. They've never met anybody as terrifying as Jesus, more terrifying as Je- than Jesus, because there's no one who has the power and authority in all the world that Jesus has. They've never seen it, and they know it doesn't exist. And yet, they also see there's no one they've ever encountered who's more loving and caring, even more loving and caring than a greatest friend or comforter. And they're terrified. They don't know what they have here. The clue is in how Mark tells us the story in a way that is laid out by using language that is almost identical to the language of another famous story about a storm and waves and a boat crashing apart. The story of Jonah. You know the famous story. Both the story of Jesus and Jonah, they are almost identical. At the very least, they are parallel to one another. Both Jesus and Jonah were in a boat. Both boats were overtaken by a storm, and the waves were breaking apart the boat as they're described. Both Jonah and Jesus were asleep underneath in the boat. In both stories, Jonah and Jesus were awakened by the sailors on the ship, fearful fearful for their life, coming to ask for help. And in both, there was divine intervention that calmed the seas at once at the command of God. And at the end, both the sailors in both stories were more terrified having seen what God can do than at the beginning of the storm. See, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus even compares himself to Jonah and says he is the true Jonah, he is the better Jonah, and that true story about Jonah was pointing to him, the one who calms the storm by being cast into the deep. You see, Jesus, Jonah said to the sailors, throw me into the sea, and the storm will be calm, and you will be rescued. If I die, then you will survive. That's what Jonah says. And Jesus comes along, and in an almost identical story, saying the same thing. Isn't this what Jesus has done for us? He offered himself to be thrown into the storm of eternal justice, of God's wrath, and a punishment for our sin, even though he had never done anything wrong. Even though he didn't do anything wrong, he died the death of a sinner. On the cross, he died for our sins. He looked at sin and death in the face and said, Peace, be still, cease your raging. And at once it was defeated and held captive prisoners no more. Do you see what Jesus has done? By dying on the cross, defeating death and sin, raising to new life, as Jonah was cast from this, the belly of this fish onto dry land and rescued unto new life, so is Jesus. He says, throw me in, into death, if you want to live. And if I die, then you will survive. You see, if we really believe that, if we believe what Jesus has done for us, that he has faced the wild tempest, our our biggest nightmare, we would never look at Jesus again in times of trouble and ask him, don't you care about me? Don't you love me? 
What are you doing in this time? If Jesus did not abandon you on the cross, he will never abandon you. If he didn't abandon you at the time of greatest chaos, he will not abandon you in your life today. Here's the point. The measure of our faith or the quality of our faith does not bring us the peace of Christ in the midst of our chaos. It's the object of our faith that does. It is Jesus who brings peace. It is the power, not of our faith, it's the power of Christ who calms the storms in our life. If you desire peace, stop looking in yourself. There's just chaos in there. You cannot find in yourself what only Jesus has the power and ability to give. You will not find in yourself what only Jesus has the power and ability to give. Peace out of chaos. Rescue out of death. New life in the midst of a storm. Only Jesus can calm the storm. So we don't go to ourselves and say, have a stronger faith. Have a greater quality of faith. Add something to our faith like hard work and, and just endurance and patience. Go to Jesus and say, help me believe, for I am weak in faith. Give me faith, because faith is a gift that he gives to us. It is a gift that he strengthens in us. Go to him and say, I'm really doubting you right now. I'm doubting your care. I'm doubting your love. Help me believe, for I am weak. And it is in our weakness we are made strong. In the midst of that humility and that dependency on him, instead of rushing to him and saying, don't you care about me? We rush to him and say, I don't have it in me. I'm afraid. It's overcoming me. Give me faith. Not to walk by sight or walk by feelings, but to walk in the truth of who you are. No matter what storm comes my way, Through Christ we have life and no force internally or externally can destroy it. If you use your fears to grow in your trust in Jesus, then you will grow in your confidence of his love for you. You will grow from one degree of difficulty to the next, believing that he truly does care for you and he will not abandon you. Even death itself cannot take you away from his care. Only death perfects his plans and purposes for us. Grow in your trust in him. Use your fears today as a way to point you to the truth of who Jesus is. And you will know that he cares for you. You will know that he is with you and he will never abandon you.